Hello and welcome to episode 197 of Three Bears and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, we're once again doing this via Zoom. The world is about to reopen, hopefully very soon for cinema lovers like yourself. But for now, we're still doing this via Zoom. Um, yes. It is early-ish on a Saturday afternoon, it's only like five o'clock, so it's, you know, way early too early. early. Yeah, it's early for us. Are you drinking anything before you start your day? <laughs> No, this is this is my schedule at the moment. I'm currently slamming a can of monster into my face. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe about I had three hours sleep or something the day. So I'm 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 feeling tender. I'm feeling rough. I feel genuinely hungover. Yeah, so a wee bit, a wee bit punchy today. Um, yes, uh, I'm also not a, again myself. No either. Um, I am very cold in the west of Scotland today. So I'm on a hot chocolate at five o'clock in the afternoon, which is um. Make me feel exceptionally old. So yeah, someone yes. that. As we've all discovered this week, Richard, you're slowly getting left behind. I am. I don't understand TikTok. I don't know what an NFT is, and I still don't know what Bitcoin is. I have. Um, the, the the real world is leaving me completely behind. I'm. I'm and also, you know what? Honestly, I'm happy. See, I'm see happy. the sad thing is, it's not even the real world. It's this fictional internet world. <laughs> yeah. If people are obsessed with this fictional internet world, and I'm really confused by it. Oh, I don't know. I don't understand how you can have something that's not real, but you pay a lot of money for something that's not real, even though you don't actually have it. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, uh, movie news. Do you have anything? No, no. no. And absolutely. <clears throat> excuse me. Absolutely nothing happened this week in Hollywood at all. The only, the only thing I would mention about it um, is this week, we're only about nine days away now from cinemas reopening in Britain. Hopefully Scotland's in that little bit as well. Hopefully Scotland follows suit in the 17th as well. So hopefully maybe, maybe next week or the week after, we'll actually be able to get out to cinemas and be able to see things in the cinema, which will be really nice because um, it's something we've definitely missed. Um, and by the time it rolls around again, it'll be pretty much almost a year since we've been at cinema. I went to see Tenant, and that was in like June, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, so, you, were, you were one of the few Mavericks that I knew that actually ran out to the cinema in that brief moment in time when the cinemas popped back up again. Aye, for like two weeks or reopened again, yeah. So, yeah, I've, um, so it's, yeah, so hopefully we're, we're open again soon we can get out and see a few things and see what's available. So, looking forward yeah. to that. But again, for now, we're all we're committed to the streaming services. We'll, we'll jump into them. And I think this week, out of the three films, there's two that are brand new. And one has been out for about a year, I think, just now. So it's quite, or maybe start of the year. So the two are brand new. We'll start with the first one, which is a Netflix movie. Well, it was originally a Sony film, but Sony sold it to Netflix. And that is a film mm. called The Mitchells versus the Machines, directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe, who haven't really done much in terms of directing. And Michael Rianda was a, a writer on Gravity Falls, the TV show cartoon. And Jeff Rowe was a writer on that show, Disenchanted. Remember the one, the Matt Groening one that was on yeah. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. He's a writer on that one. Um, the plot of this one, there's a young girl who is about to go to college. She doesn't really get on with her parents. She's just, she feels very left out. Um, she's about to fly, meet all her new friends, be happy, and, and be a filmmaker. But unfortunately, but her dad realises that she's losing touch with her. So he decides to sell her plane ticket and they're going to drive cross-country from... San Francisco to New York in order to take her to college. So it's all, she's not very happy about it. The family aren't very happy about it, but they're trying to bond again. Unfortunately, on the way there, the robot uprising takes place and they're forced to sort of survive in a new wasteland where robots are taking over the earth. Yes. Um, and that's the basic premise. And love and everything and, you know, friendship and family and all that and a re 
rekindled and everything along the way. Um, in the film, interesting cast, you got Abby Jacobson, who I don't really know much about, but she plays the lead uh, young girl. Danny McBride plays the dad, sounding very like Seth Rogen for the whole film. Um, mm. Maya Rudolph plays the mum. Eric Andre pops up in as well. Olivia Coleman plays the main baddie, which I thought was really funny. Fred Armisen plays a robot. Uh, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen essentially play themselves um, in it. Um, yes. But yeah, that was it. What did you think of this one? This was this was actually really good. I actually really enjoyed that. It. it was it was a sweet story. Yeah. Uh, nice animation. I really liked that style. It oh, was animation was beautiful, absolutely stunning. In fact, it mixes like three or four different styles of animation. Um, mm. The guys who are it producing was... this film, a guy called Chris Lord and Christopher Miller, who did who also did the film um, Play with a Chance of Meatballs and the Spider Verse movie. Mm. You know, if you managed to see that, and that was again just it's not they don't ever stick to like sort of one form of animation that they're quite happy to mix up, throw in some manga, throw in some two D, three D, everything just to make sure it all kind of mingles and fits. So this is very much the same idea as that, and it, it comes across as really interesting watch because of that. Yeah, it's. For some reason, like because it was jumping from different styles and that, it seemed to keep me like quite engaged in yeah. it. You know, and I it just it made it fun, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like you know, you sit there and you watch watch a Pixar movie and you're like, this is actual just like fucking sex for the eyes. Mm. But like you do kind of end up just like sitting there and you just almost get like taken out of it because it is so nice and there's it's just flowing like oh. the story and it's helping you but visually there's nothing keeping you engaged with it because it is like same all the way through whereas this it kept you visually engaged or well, at least for me i found it yeah i'm with you the yeah. constant changing does it it sort of it almost seems like it surprises you sometimes you're sort of like if yeah. it kicks you back in um uh, I, that I, found well. it, I found it quite cheeky how like the car the company in it who ultimately turned evil. I like the fact how the logo looked suspiciously like the Amazon logo. <laughs> yes, I think that was well played. Yes, um, I like I like that. <laughs> I like the, I like the fact that it was it was a really it's something we don't get very often. And Pixar used to be very good at it, but they've sort of maybe at times strayed away from it a little bit. Where it's a film that's not just for kids. It's it's a film for the family. Like there's so many jokes in this that actually work for like everybody. Like kids won't get it, but adults will find it really funny. Like I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I am honestly sure, I might, I'm going to have to go back and watch it, but I swear to God, there was a fleshlight joke in it at one point. Like, either a road sign or someone says something that sounded like that, I'm going, did, did they make a fleshlight joke in the middle of a, a kid's cartoon? Which would be like, if they did, absolute genius. But kids won't get it. Any adult watching goes, that's pretty funny. Um, if it is there, if it's in it, I can't believe I didn't pick up on it. Because <laughs> it is a trucker's best friend. Um, oh, yeah. The joke's come so quick and it's a it's a, a gag rate that is just constant and it doesn't stop for the whole film that's thing it means yeah. there are moments of sweetness and tenderness when it, the jokes are allowed to you know drift away for the you know sort of the emotional moments but when that's not happening it's just a constant rapid you know fire you know and, it, and not, not only rapid fire they, they all hit really well like probably 90 percent of the jokes work fantastically well what what my kind of main takeaway from this film was very. This is a film that's very much a, an animation for the new generation of kids, the ones who are, who know about YouTube and like all the kind of social medias and all that. Because the story does centre around her making these like videos with her dog, which 
to be honest, I thought it was the fucking sweetest thing ever. And see if that was real on YouTube, I'd probably watch that shit. Right. So I was like, I was like, I actually want to see that bad cut. Uh, was it dog pop or whatever uh, it's called? Pop. Yeah, I like the I like the, the brother, and I thought the brother was amazing in it. Um, yeah, yeah. Just his ability not to talk to another girl, I thought was just so so funny. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, there's a bit with this, I'm not gonna ruin it, but there's a bit with Furbies in it that might be possibly one of the greatest things I've ever seen in cinema. It was just absolutely phenomenal from like it's only maybe like a five minute scene but it's one of the mm. best five minutes I've seen of like a, of a using a Furby yeah. and ever <laughs> it, was, it was exceptionally funny yeah I, that scene did actually catch me by surprise I, w- I was not expecting to see that you know so <laughs> it's very funny it, it's just you know, it's just a fucking good movie you know what yeah. I mean? It, it's got tons of funny stuff in it. It's got it's got tons of emotion in it. There's a moment in it that has real heart in it. That what it might one of my favorite quotes of like all time. Yeah, um, the girl I put up on Instagram the other day. It just it just hit me. I'm like, oh my god, that is fucking so like right in the feels that 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 we quote. So I I like I like the fact that it was a good length. It didn't try and overstay its welcome. It didn't try and rush anything. And also I think really importantly for me, which I did, which a lot of films fall into this trap now. At no point did it feel like it was trying to bait for a sequel. It felt like it was quite content and quite standalone, and you got what you wanted. Now, if they want to go back to this world and do something with it, I guess they could do something if they wanted to. It's not like, you know, it does kind of tie up, but I'm sure they could find a way to do it if they wanted to. But they, uh, didn't, they didn't feel the need to do it. They, 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 they wrapped the story up quite, quite wonderfully, and I was like, oh, this is a well done fucking great film. I was so happy watching it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I'm, see, to be honest, like you said, it wasn't angling for a sequel. I'd yeah. be more than happy if it just left as a one and done yeah. because it's almost perfect as it is. It doesn't need this drawn out universe, you know. Yeah. There's so yeah. many genres of uh, movies now angle for straight off the bat. You're like, stop, stop trying to make a plot that's going to lead into sequels. You might never get there. Like last week when we were talking about that uh, chaos walking, chaos walking. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's like that's a story that's potentially more story there, and we'll never potentially we'll never see it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But no, this was this this movie was nice. It was sweet. It was when did I watch it? I watched it like Monday. I think I watched it before I went back to work, and I it was just absolutely perfect, perfect timing, fucking to sit there and just enjoy it. You yeah, know? it's great. And it's back on Netflix. It's it's a it's not a great title, but I think a lot of people will sort of maybe just pass over because it sounds a little bit too kiddie. A bit too mm. sort of juvenile. Mm. But when you watch it, it's so smart and so clever, and it's, it's it, and it and like you said, it looks absolutely outstanding. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, that, that whole entire run, not to spoil anything near the end of the movie, that whole entire like run of sequences with the mum. Uh huh. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like I'm talking like proper like old school like anime shit. Like that is just it just. Capture the the kind of like uh, excitement and art style absolutely fucking nailed it, and I was like, yes, this is yeah. good. You should try and find Spider and into the Spider Verse to watch. It's done by the same guys, um, and it's mm. not only the best Spider Man film ever made; it might be the best comic book film ever made. It is almost to a fault perfection in every way. Um, but yeah. Mitchell Versus Machines, I would give it a very solid 9 out of 10. Nice, nice. Hope yourself. I'm and 9 out of 10 as well. Yeah, actually, get a chance to watch it. Great film. Have a final watch. Yeah, get a chance to watch. Switching pace very, very 
very, very much. But still, weirdly, Amazon is a baddie. Um, we move on to Nomadland, uh, directed oh. by Chloe Zhao, um, who directed a film called The Rider, which is available on Now TV and Sky Movies. Want to try and find that. Um, and also, she'll soon be direct. Well, she has directed already The Eternals, the new Marvel film, but it's not out yet. This was supposed to come out before this. This was she made, basically made this film during like sort of like post production, I think, of The Eternals. They're doing all the special effects and shit like that with, with, with The Eternals. She'd done this film at the same time, so she's done like yes. two films back to back. This film won Best Picture, Best Director, mm-hmm. um, Actress as well. So it's won it won, a, won sort of the three very big awards at this most recent. Also, I think it pretty much won those awards everywhere it went as well, like Directors Guild, Screenwriters Guild, BAFTAs. It pretty much won everything all the time. Um, yeah. The plot of this film is about a woman who she's lost her husband's passed away. The town that she lived in was a town where that basically was built by a company who everyone in the town was employed by the company. Once a company goes under, the town basically gets shut down and she was like, sort of left on her own. So yeah. she puts all stuff into storage. She can't afford the house. So she gets a car, a van, and she, and she basically travels sort of the length and breadth of America, going from like, the very north down to like farther and south and also across to the, the east as well, just taking like seasonal jobs. She's working in the Amazon factory. She works in sort of like a, a rock selling place and she works in like farms and things like that. Just basically becomes like a, tra- like, a, a transit lifestyle where she sort of just continues to survive through this and it's just her experience as she deals with people along the way essentially. Um, in the film you've got Frances McDormand, she plays this like, little van, she meets someone called um, like a, an art film sort of person on the road, um, played by David Strathairn, who's a very well known actor. Other than that, the rest of the cast are pretty much all real people they're not actually actors, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting, so it's very much that kind of social realism Um this film for me looked absolutely phenomenal. It looked absolutely just one of the best things I've ever seen. It just the way they captured the light and the, the uh, nature and the environment was just absolutely beautiful. Very limited lighting, I think, from what I could see. Just all natural. Just trying to get that sense of social like realism in it. And um, I straight to my friends like a really pretty version of a Ken Loach film. Um, if you've seen Ken Loach, you know, films are they're pretty, they're kind of dirty and but the same idea, just really pretty. Um, yeah. Francie McDormand is absolutely phenomenal in it as well. She never gives away she's an actor at any point. She just sort of blends into these worlds. You know, like when she's sitting next to someone who's a real, I play a real person, you never mm. for a moment think she's acting. It just feels like she's just a person. Well, it always came across as very kind of natural. Anytime yeah. she was interacting with people, it, you know, I didn't pick up that they weren't actors or they were actors. It's like it always came across really like you could almost tell they had all hung out for a long period of time, almost before filming, right. or spent a lot of time interacting with each other as they're filming scenes, because a lot of the scenes, it felt nice, it, it felt real, you know? You, you felt, you didn't feel a lot of direction, you know, and you felt like it literally was someone just getting followed with a camera, or the camera, was, the camera felt like it was invisible for a lot of time, it was like, so just, you felt like you were just sort of um, being dropped in in someone's life. You just, you're just yes. sort of seeing this sort of snippet and you're just kind of, you're going with them for like the hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes it's on for. And then you leave the life. There's not really that big of a grand overarching story. There's a little bit of an arching story, but not as much as you think. She still is pretty much, she's in a slightly different place than she was at the start mm. to where she is at the end. But it's not like a complete life revelation she's went through. She's just sort of maybe coming to terms with what's happened in her life. Mm. Um the dialogue's also pretty sparse. She doesn't really speak that much. She has a few moments when she talks to people. But it is quite subdued and it is quite quiet. 
Um, yeah. What do you I, think? I, I think that's just the kind of nature of the film. It just, I, it just seemed to kind of, you know, just kind of seemed to work. You know, kind of minimal dialogue, really just, like you said, it's like camera just following like about, almost like yeah. a documentary style, and just hard to plodding about all day, you know? Yeah. What do you think of it? Because I, I thought this is something you you might not jive on. It might not like, sort of appeal to well, you. Did you enjoy it? Well, my main takeaway was this is a far cry from the well-polished, highly edited van life people that I eh, watch on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Where it's all kind of like nice locations and all that. And it's like, like I said, heavily edited or even the pictures that you on social media and then, like, relaxing on the cliff tops and all that shit. It's like, you do realise, like, this is probably more the harsh reality if you're not, like, like a heavy fucking influencer or whatever, you know? You're telling it's me like, the influencers on Instagram and TikTok don't show themselves shit in a bucket? Yeah, pretty much, eh? Yeah, don't show that. Um, Why are they not pimping out uh, Squarespace at the same time? I have, I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I, I like this movie. What what was gotten to me was the fact that this was on. I think it was like Amazon Prime or something on Disney Netflix. Plus. I know, no, but uh, but it was on like it must have been Amazon Prime. It was on Amazon Prime when this first came out, and I looked at the trailer and then skipped right by it. Mm. And I wish I had watched it now because, like yourself, I ended up having to watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, but no, I'm glad it's won all these awards because it is deserving. It's it's a nice, it's a nice refreshing break from the kind of usual run of the mill cinema. So yeah, I mean, as I mean, ultimately, I was quite depressed by it because yeah, yeah, um, it's a, it's a harsh life. This is why it's like what I watch and what I see on social media and YouTube and stuff. Yeah. To watching this, you go, this is probably more the reality yeah. of people who find themselves. Or either they want to put themselves in a situation where they're happy to live out of a band, and then it's like all the hardships that come with it. Like, see, there's see, the, the scene you know, you know, I feel that the people who are saying they want to be doing this, it was like they're trying to convince themselves a little bit. Like, they're trying, like, yeah. they, they've, been, they've been forced into this situation. Yeah. So by them saying that they're, they like it, they enjoy it, it's almost them like kidding themselves on a little bit. Like, this is ideal. Like, this is my choice to do this. It's like, it doesn't feel like a choice for most of these people. It feels like, like you know, they are oh, definitely like everyone in this movie that she comes across, including herself. You can see they've been they've been pushed into this situation because of like recessions or job loss, ill health. Remember the the lady that was saying like she was traveling around with her parents and then yes. the two of them fell out. You know, stuff like that. You can see in this movie like um, the harsh reality is that some folk have been. Almost the like, well, the houseless. They're not homeless. The houseless. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a really, a really, really strong line in it. Like I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Yeah. A different kind of thing. But that is actually like a guy I follow on uh, YouTube, and that's his actual. Um, I'm almost certain that's his like YouTube channel name. It's like I'm not homeless. I'm houseless or something like that. Yeah. And he lives in a van, and it's. I'd say his his videos are probably closer to this video and closer to reality. Than yeah. the other end of the scale, you know. So, like, the, the sense of community you get from the people in the community seems like it seems a very strong, well community. But yeah. when you're watching it, you you know the reason why this has happened is just because of the failure of 
or the either the failure or the success of what capital capitalism is. Yeah, yeah. forces this upon people, you know. Um, yeah. And it just throughout the film, you felt a real sadness watching it. This is a this is a way people have to live. Um, mm. But there was a genuine feel of hopefulness just based on the mm. spirit that these people have to try and survive it and get through it. But it looked it looked a horrible life to be honest. I mean, it's not a life I would want. It just looks an absolutely a really sad and depressing way to live a life. Yeah, yeah. I think like like I, I think the only way you could ever make like a kind of van life decent is if you were like yeah like if you had money already ah. there. There's a big difference like, between the big difference between having a van life where you have to move place to place in order to get work to survive and you're on yes. the right on the edge of society compared yeah. to what you're talking about, which is like someone's got a nice van, they've decked it out, made it all fancy. Like at one point they didn't really like they're in a big fancy van and stuff like that and they're driving around and they've got money, people get money and it's like you go, that's not the same as this. The people who like you're talking about, they're just traveling around just having an yeah. adventure. These people yeah. this is their survival. Without this they die. Yeah. And like, I did actually find that scene really sweet. See uh-huh. where when she jumps on the big fancy bus and then uh-huh. she's sitting in the seat and all that and she's like brum, 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 brum. <laughs> Really, like pretending to drive it and all that. I, I did that, and my heart absolutely is uh, thingied up where, like, filled up. I was like, oh, this is fucking too sweet sometimes, you know? It, like, yeah. it, it's fucking human spirit. It just, it's amazing how some people just have an endless drive oh. to just pushing forward on the, on the hope that one day you're just going to get over that fucking hill and it will be okay, you know? She just seems to live, like, she just seems to live almost if not day to day, but it's almost like week to week. She knows she can get money here. That'll do it for a week. Then she'll go somewhere else and survive there for a month. And just, I would give up before then. I know for a fact I would be giving up. But it's like her ability to persevere is genuinely very touching. But it wasn't mm. really, at time, for a lot of time, it was just a really depressingly sad film. Just yeah. sad a lot of time. Currently taking a note, do not call Richard in the middle of a apocalypse situation. <laughs> oh, I, it just it just seems really sad. It just seems like people living on the edge like that, and you know, on the edge, not because, like I said, not because through choice, not because they want to go on an adventure. It's literally survival. If it wasn't for this, they'd be sitting on the side of the street begging for money because yeah, that, totally, that's what society totally. is deemed these people worthy of. And um, and it's unfortunate. Now we all know the problems in regards to Amazon and the way they have contracts with people and how much they pay them, etc. Like uh, worldwide. But it's like, it's not just Amazon now. It's like a lot of companies feel they can just underpay, not underpay, but pay people literally the fucking base level. And you're like, things are the, uh, I don't know what you'd fucking call it, the the cost of just general living is is now fucking outpacing that wage. And you're like... Is getting to the point now where we will end up in like people will end up in this situation because as we all know, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, and yeah. all it takes is just like maybe one or, or two months without a paycheck, and literally you're fucking like flatlining, like you're you're literally done. I mean, you're not mean you're not in a, a, a privileged position. The fact that both of us own our own homes, you know, we have a roof over our head and stuff like that, and it's like most folk aren't like that now. Most folk are renting it, and it's like it just seems like. The world is sort of 
the world's out, you know, the, 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 the outpacing of like rich to poor is just getting so accelerated. And this film just, just shows it at the, the, at the extreme level of it. But it's not a kick in the arm. We are closer to that than we are to the top. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, we are closer yeah. to her life than we are to like sort of the great life, you know. And we are, uh, and we are in a crypto session. But yeah, it's a very, it's a tough watch, but it's definitely a worthwhile watch and it thoroughly deserved all its awards that it got. I can't, I haven't seen everything that was up for Oscar yet, but um, I've, I'm be hard pressed to find something that would be more touching and more, you know, affecting than this film. I'd give it a very solid 8 out of 10, probably yourself. Yeah, I was joining you on that one, man. 8 out of yeah. 10 as well. Uh, yeah, just yeah. sat there and enjoyed it this morning. Well, this afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, and the last film of this week is one that's called Save Yourselves, which is on Sky Cinema or Now TV if you have that. Um, directed by Alex Houston Fisher and Eleanor Wilson. This is their debut feature. And basically, it's about a, a young couple, maybe in their 30s, hang on, in their 30s. They've been going out for a while. They've reached a little bit of a rut. Things are not quite progressing as they want to. Um, mm. Friends and family are questioning what the relationship is. They've got friends who are getting married and having kids and all that stuff, and they feel they're a little bit of a rut. So they decide to go up the cabin in the sort of not in, New, in the sort of the countryside of New York in order to sort of rekindle the relationship and get the idea of where they are going to be going in life. Um, unfortunately, while they're there, the apocalypse happens. Um, aliens invade, and they are forced to deal with this um, as hipsters are supposed to deal with it, um, and they've got to survive that while not knowing what the fuck's going on. Um, in the film, you've got Sunita Mani. Uh, John Reynolds, they play the young couple, Ben Sinclair, John Early, and Joe Firestone pop up in various roles throughout the film. Um, what do you think of this one? Uh, first and foremost, I was actually just double-checking something there, because I was going to ask you, but I've found the answer anyway. This film had a very distinct feel, like it was like it was filmed in the middle of the pandemic. You know how we watched that um, <clears throat> black, and white, uh, black and White film? Yes. With the couple in the house? Yes. This is the same kind of Similar vibe, but I've just double checked it, and it was filmed before the pandemic. Yeah, but it felt yeah. it does feel more prevalent with the pandemic. You know, it feels like yeah. it hits it hits, a, it hits in a different way because of the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For the most part, it was an enjoyable movie. I did find though that it took a. This is just my personal opinion, but I found it took way too long to get to the actual meat of the film. I felt there was too much fluff in the beginning, like. I was just, a, I was kind of maybe just because I kind of understood, I, I knew the premise. So I was yeah. just sitting there constantly, like, right, can we just speed this up? Like, I kind of understand it. The, the relationship's a bit touchy at the moment, and they're going to like a cabin to try and get away from like society and all that. Because at the start of the film, you do, and it does hit home a wee bit. You see the two of them just fucking sitting on the couch, just fucking sitting on their phones, just flicking their thumb. You know, it felt, I felt very seen watching it going, oh, that seemed oddly familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The good thing was, like, because this was the first movie I watched, like, both our phones were still in the bedroom, or we would have been sitting there with the phones next to us, probably getting distracted by them. Yeah. But um, but outside of that, yeah, it was, I found it really enjoyable. It was really funny when the, I'm not going to spoil it, but when the, um, when the creatures finally turned up, I, th- yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Like, when they finally turned up, that's when I was like, right, this is getting good. Yeah. But all, this, all this stuff leading up to that point, I was just a bit like, come on. like. And then the girl did the classic thing that you'd expect most 
women to do in a couple situation who are trying to get away from the internet for a few days or just life in general is to have the fucking phone in their pocket or in their bag. You expect that, you know? I, when she'd done that, I wasn't even surprised. I was yeah. like, I expected you to do that shit and that's bad, you know? Yeah. I expect at least one of the people in that relationship to fucking have the phone in the back pocket or something or fucking had, in their well, back. You have to do that. You have to find a way of letting them know what's going on. So someone has to break. So that's an excuse. Yeah. But I'm with you. It took about, I'd say about 25 minutes, maybe half an hour of a of a hundred minute film sort of to get it. Yeah, yeah. it built the relationship. We understood what the relationship was and you got that, but I feel they probably gonna maybe probably taking out a scene, maybe two scenes out of that. And yeah. I was still being quite confident as to know where this couple was in the relationship. I think the audience who are gonna watch this film are probably most might be in the same boat or have been in relationships similar to this in the past. So it, it doesn't feel like it needs to be hit home quite as hard as that. But like mm. you once the the aliens turn up, it felt a bit like have you ever seen the film Critters? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a feeling of like that for the hipster generation, you know, a wee bit kind of like that, which I thought was you quite know, Stacey, Stacey actually sat there and said the exact same thing. Like she was like, Have you she asked me, have you ever seen Critters? And I was like, No. And then she's like, This film is very much like Critters. Yeah. And I was Critters like, is more, Critters is more horror, more gory, more yeah, um, sort of like just straight out horror. I kind of felt like this is what it was kind of missing a wee bit. Just a wee b- I don't want full-on gore. I don't need that, especially not in a Saturday afternoon. But yeah. it's like, just just a wee touch more. Just turn it up a wee bit. There wasn't enough. I found there wasn't enough interaction, and that could have been a budget restraint. Yeah. You know, because it what when you did see the aliens, it was very, like, fleeting. Yes. Unfortunately. And it would have been nice to see just a bit more. Um, but yeah, there was agree. I think there was problems with the film in terms. That's one of them. I would say that maybe the the, the, the I like the comedy. There's a lot of comedy in it, and it did sort of rise above the sort of straight to DVD version. It sort of felt a wee bit better than just sort of you know straight to, to DVD version of a film. Mm. But I felt it just the way the way Shaun the Dead was really well done, and the fact that it embraced the comedy and the romance, but it still had the horror elements in it. When you see, when you see the, it felt like a zombie film in itself. This, the alien invasion was there, but it felt very tangential to the story at times. It felt like you could have maybe played into that a little bit more. Because it was really horrific bits, like the bit when they find the baby. That is a really sort of horrible bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, what happens, how that scene plays out. Well, that's a really sad and sort of traumatic thing. And it's definitely, it doesn't, doesn't feel like a comedy at that point. It feels more like a thriller. But I feel, after thinking, they could maybe push in a wee bit more of the horror stuff of it. Um, I thought the cast were all excellent. I thought they played the role really well. But the writing was good. I thought the direction was funny as well. It moved the, film at relative pace, a couple of scenes have been lost here and there, but moved at a relative pace and it does feel like, like you said it, it does hit really hard in a, in a pandemic world, it felt like a film was made for a pandemic, you know, because I think if we realised anything over this last like sort of 15 months is if how much we hate our significant others, that <laughs> and also in the event of a real general, a general sort of like end of all situation no one would be any use whatsoever, it would all be absolutely horrendous yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you know, 98.9% of the population would have absolutely no idea and be dead within the first two days. Yeah, and that's Kelly. This was like something that me and Stacey were talking about the other day. It boils back to the simple thing of 
people don't know how to fix shit nowadays. It's like they don't know how to do things, like basic things anymore, to yeah. fix either your car or like something in the house. Like very few people actually have basic skills anymore. Most yeah. people just bin whatever it is and then just buy another. And that's why, you see, when shit hits the fan, you know half the fucking population is going to get wiped out within the first week. Yeah, know? I think it's because the very large percentage of the population has lived a certain amount of arrested development, you know, because you think about what we, like, think about your parents were when they were, like, say, 30. They probably had, like, three kids already and they probably honed down a job they've had for years, maybe on a second career and they're working that job plus doing all this stuff. You look at pictures of your dad when he was 30, he looks like an old man, mm. you know? I look at my dad when he's 30, he looks like an old guy. Or not yeah. an old guy, but he looks like he's now. Whereas I look at me and I go, well, I'm now the same age. I'm older than my dad when I look at that picture, but I feel like so much younger than him. And mm. since then, we've all been sort of, as a, as our generation, we've been very much a coddled generation for a long time. Yeah. So and we're I'm, never pushed to grow up. We're, we're very much kept at home and sort of made to be like mums and dads, boys and girls. So we never really had to learn any skills or anything like that. It was very much, you know, the majority of the population of our age was sort of like, just we'll do it or phone somebody out, they'll fix it. Um, so to the point now, when we get to like, we're not having kids to like sort of in our late 30s now or mid 30s just because we've had this arrest development and we're sort of not growing up until much later on in life. And that mm. being said, if there is a world ending event, I want to die very quickly in it. I don't want to survive the world where I've got to like sort of to, to survive and kill people and fight for my food. No, I want to be taken out exceptionally early. First, first 10 minutes, I want, I want done. I want done. I want, I want taken out. I don't want to have to fight for, fight for survival. I'm, I'm quite happy oh, to go early. I was hoping to recreate the road with you. No, dude, I, don't, I do not want to live in that world. That's a horrendous world. I always I said that if, if the world was ever going to go tits up, it was never going to be the glamorous fucking walking dead or some shit yeah. like that. It was going to be the road. Yeah. You're going to come across crazy inbred fucking cannibals and exactly. you're going to have to be really challenging for your survival. <laughs> I would rather die in the first wave or whatever it happens to be, the explosion or the virus. Kill me off early on. I don't want to have to, to, have to negotiate hillbilly cannibals. I don't want that. <laughs> fucking come <cunt> up. <laughs> I would have taken out exceptionally early, you know? <laughs> I'll lock the door, I'll hold up for as long as I can the food I've got in the house. Once that runs out, I'm happy to go. Uh, I, I'd, I'd happily go for a few rounds, a few weeks, and then I'd be like, all right, I've had enough of this now. Yeah. See, once it, once the water like dries up and the food gets like completely depleted, then I'd be like, ah, all right then. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm tapping it. <laughs> once there's definitely no movies coming out, then I'm finished. <laughs> that's it it's like that's the it. minute the cinemas get switched off again it's like you, you could survive the first time but not again not I can't again. take it not again um, I don't forget popcorn <laughs> out of 10 what are you giving this one save yourselves uh, I'm giving it a solid 6 I'm, I'm giving it a 7 I'm, I'm kind of in, in the ballpark as well I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was just it was a wee bit sluggish in the beginning. That's the only thing that kind of held it up for me because it is such a short film. Yeah. You know? um, but as us for this week, next week. So you wanted some violence, you wanted some gore. So I'm going to give you some violence and gore. We have Mortal Kombat, the re the redoing of Mortal Kombat, which is available on demand. You can get it and um, you can rent it um, in various places. Um, 
also out we have on Amazon Prime of the sci-fi movie Spring, um, which looks quite interesting, I think is the way to put it. And also on Netflix, there is a Amanda Seyfried film called Things Heard and Seen, which might be a horror, it might be a thriller. I'm really not sure by the trailer, but it's on Netflix, and I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes long, so it's nice and sort of brief to look forward. So we have that for next week. Tell me where to find us. All the usual social media haunts at 3 movie, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's great. That's us for this week. I've been Richard, you've been... Barry. You've been listening to... Three beers and a movie.